Looking Deep is a podcast that seeks to understand varied and unique perspectives about life for our audience and our planet. We operate under the ethos of no judgment, only leaving space for understanding in the hopes that in learning about the lives of others, we uncover a deeper truth for ourselves. Looking Deep is hosted by Kareem Watermore and is followed by an after show featuring Julia Chatwin. Thank you for joining us and let the show begin. Hey, everybody. This is Kareem Watermore. I have a very special guest with me today is Tanisia Pratt. I met Tanisia maybe, I would say, four or five years ago. I was blown away by something she wrote. She wrote an amazing, very riveting, very timely poem that was performed. We did meet up, and you were an incredibly strong, confident, very self-assured young lady. And you were also a Muslim. You are Muslim. Yeah. And, and very led by your convictions and very confident. So I kind of want to know if you can let us know who you are. Who is Tunisia? Honestly, who is Tunisia is a question that I'm constantly asking myself every day. Because every single day I'm always thinking and rethinking and sometimes reinventing myself and questioning my own beliefs or what I believed yesterday. But I guess you could say for right now, Tanisia Pratt is, I'm a poet, I'm a writer, I'm a performance artist. That's mainly how I make my money. (laughs) I'm also an auntie. I also love to spend hours on end watching YouTube documentaries, you know. I love interesting things and I love knowledge. I love learning and I love sort of, I wouldn't say that I builds my own philosophy, I guess I do. But for the most part, I like looking at other philosophies and seeing how it impacts my life. So you never really know what you can get from me because I'm very interested, like I said, in many things. And I love learning and I'm not afraid to challenge myself and be able to change in whatever I believe for the future. Sometimes I think that when we set out on a path of learning and wanting to learn and constantly pushing those boundaries of where we can go, it's something that usually that was very in our formative years that kind of set us on this journey. Can you tell us about Young Tunisia and what that inciting incident could have been to set you on this journey of, of wanting to always challenge yourself? Young Tunisia was very curious. You know, I was always a creative Back then, I would do simple things like create comic books, create dolls, dresses, play with dolls, make up stories, you know, act, dance, sing. But yeah, I would say for the most part, I always had questions. If someone ever knew me as a child, they knew that my favorite question was why and then how. (laughs) And it was a bit annoying for my mom (laughs) and my family, you know. In my family, I was always considered the weird child, you know? (laughs) So I guess I would say I was the black sheep. In a way, I wasn't afraid to be rebellious, and especially in my teenage years. So I would say that back then, I was young, I was curious, energetic, creative, and the black sheep. And did you grow up Muslim or did you convert? I thought you converted. I grew up Muslim. I grew up... I grew up exposed to a lot of different forms of religion, well, specifically in Christianity. So I was christened as an Anglican. I grew up a lot of the time between Freeport and Nassau. So my aunt in Nassau 
she spent a lot of her time in abundant life. So that's a non-denominational, I believe. And then she switched to Baptist. My mom, she switched from Anglican to Jehovah's Witness. So I grew up in that household, I would say. How old was I? I was probably 11, 12 years old. So it was really a fundamental part of my mm-hmm. young, like, young adult life. So I think that the journey, the fundamentals of me converting to Islam was growing up within the Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall with my mom, studying with them every Sunday. Every Sunday they would come over and the ladies were so nice to me. They were so sweet. And we would just go through the specific books and I would learn about their faith, learn about their fundamentals. I would ask a lot of questions. And I believed that for a while until I moved to Nassau. And I think that when I moved to Nassau and I moved away from the people that fundamentally helped me in that belief system, it started to break down because at that time, I'm getting adjusted to this new life, this new environment, these people that I don't know. And it was really hard to kind of get back in that religious ritual of every Sunday or going to meeting and then having your studies afterwards. So after I graduated high school, I went to college, new friends, you know. I also started doing spoken word. I started going to spoken word open mics. And a lot of the people there, they had a lot of, I guess you would say, unorthodox beliefs, you know, spiritual beliefs. A lot of people were very much interested in African spirituality and sort of contesting Christianity and the beliefs of Jesus and who was Jesus and, you know, why is it that we have this religion? So that exposure caused me to sort of question being a part of the Jehovah Witness faith and, you know, not wanting to get baptized anymore. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to be agnostic for a while. It wasn't until, I would say, what year was it? 2013, I traveled to Astana, Kazakhstan. It was a part of a young Global Shapers community event. So it was sort of like a youth convention. And it was a lot of young people out there from different parts of the world, and specifically Astana, Kazakhstan. It's a majority Muslim country. And a lot on that trip, the main thing that I learned was peace, you know. We got to do the tours, we got to understand the history of Kazakhstan and where they are and how majority of the people were Muslim secular. And I felt peace. And it just piqued my interest more about what is Islam, you know. Started studying more and going to the mosque more in Nassau. And that's when in 2015 I converted. Oh, nice. And how was that? You know, I grew up in this community as Nassau as well. Um, and, you know, and I understand how the different religions could be segmented on their own level within Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then when you kind of step out of the sort of the Christianity mold, that it's a big shock to some people. Did you encounter any opposition to, to, to your new enlightenment? Oh, yes. (laughs) So I would say that when I first converted, I wasn't covering at the time. I was still a bit easing my way into everything because to move from Christianity to Islam 
well, specifically the Jehovah Witness faith to Islam. It's a big shift. It's a big shift to cover your hair, to make sure, you know, your arms aren't showing and to make sure all of that is not showing. And to also, like, keep up with other rituals like praying, gusto, wudu. So I did receive opposition. It wasn't, I wouldn't say that it was violent. A lot of people who convert to Islam, you know, sometimes their parents would shun them. Sometimes I've heard stories of people getting kicked out of their homes. Fortunately, my mom wasn't like that. She was just, she just felt disappointed because I think that in her belief system, she's still a Jehovah's Witness. So if you leave that, <laughs> you know, you go to hell. <laughs> That's only one way. So, <laughs> yeah, like it's done, you know, this yeah. is the only truth. Yeah. And I said, you know what, I don't want to be Christian anymore. I want to go this way. So she was disappointed about that. The only thing they could just do is say, okay, well, you know, this is your choice. It is what it is. So the most that I got was probably like jokes. Yeah. Um, and you know, the kind of jokes that Bahamians do. Yeah. Bahamian jokes are very more so like, <laughs> yeah. like rough bullying jokes, like, you know, terrorism. And yeah, like mildly racist <laughs> right right very offensive yeah. just offensive so yeah. so that's the most that i got from that but, but to be fair just for the audience that may be listening that's not bahamian bahamians they make offensive jokes about everything about your size the yes. way you look so it's just par for the it's an equal opportunity <laughs> roasting it's, society Right. It's a very much roasting society. And I think that's also a part of Black culture as well. Mm-hmm. But I think because, you know, the Bahama Islands, we're almost, we're still very close-knitted, even though we're spread out. So I think people feel very comfortable to speak within that way. But then at the same time, we can say that, we can say that it's ignorant. It is ignorant. So yeah, I got a lot of that. But I would say that the jokes that didn't come from my family, I got a lot of quote-unquote jokes from, I would say, co-workers, you know, and random people on the street. And then that's when it didn't feel funny anymore and it didn't feel that comfortable because I think you're a new person joining a new religion. You sort of have to prove yourself. You feel like you need to prove yourself. I felt like I needed to prove myself in the community and then at the same time, I felt as though I was sort of being badgered by the Bahamian society at large. So a lot of times, you know, when you keep hearing the same things over and over again, and you know that what it is that you've learned, it's not the truth of what Islam is, you know? Islamic people, Muslim people, for the most part, we're not violent people. We're just people, humans, you know? worshiping differently and just wanting to live our life as well. So yeah, sometimes it's not funny. And sometimes I felt very isolated. You know, I felt as though I could only find friendship and solace within my community because I wasn't sure of who would judge me or who would, you know, say certain remarks about me or who would discriminate against me because of my religion. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I mean, I think community is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, many different types of community, right? It's a cultural community, it's a religious community, you know, and so you need to find, it's very important for people to find places where they're, where they're not judged, you know. Mm-hmm. I totally hear that. Are you still Muslim or are you not anymore? 
I'm still Muslim, but I think that because I stopped covering, a -hmm. lot of people assume that I've denounced my fate and I never have. I think what it is that I've been Muslim for five years now. And when I first started off, I was very, 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 very fundamental, very by the book in what it was that I do and how it is that I worship and certain things I believed. But now I'm sort of in this other phase where, you know, I'm finding myself again. I'm finding out, I'm centering specifically who it is that I am, Tanisi, at my core. You know, before Islam, before Christianity, who am I at my center? And what makes me feel comfortable? And, mm-hmm. you know, what makes me feel true as self? So I think that because I'm centering that as my focus, you know, a lot of people think that I'm not Muslim anymore. And it's really not that at all. We live in a world that's becoming incredibly polarized. And the representation, especially in the West, of anyone that is Muslim is is shown in an extreme form, right? In terms of, of religiosity. And it's actually really unfair. It's like showing like a, a, a Hasid and putting that as the center of Judaism, which is also incorrect. So yeah, so I think that it's very important that we talked to you. You said that because you give us a sort of a broader a view of what a Muslim can look like and what a Muslim is. Yeah. What is it? What it, it's your faith. It's something that's totally internal. Yeah. And I think that the focus on the external before internal is sort of that what confuses everybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know specifically for women, you know, a Muslim woman is identified by her hijab. And we don't focus or center ourselves on morals and ideas the way that we should. It's almost as though moral, the internal and external need to go hand in hand. Or you need to make sure that the external is in the forefront in order to maintain the internal. And I'm sorry, that's just not, I guess that's not the way that I interpret it. And I think that people forget that there are billions of Muslims, you know, and when you say a word like billions, you can't visually imagine what that looks like across the world. But you have a lot of Muslims who don't cover in the East, you know. (laughs) So I think that you know, to just kind of broad stroke Muslims within this one way, it, all, it also fuels into stereotypes. And it also, I feel like it dehumanizes in a way because at the end of the day, you know, people are human and humans are very complex beings, no matter what religion or what creed that you have. Exactly. I totally agree. And let's talk about, you know, how does your faith inform your work or is it more your national identity or your racial identity that kind of drives that boat? You know, I think it's just a combination of everything because Mm -hmm. from my poetry, I never really stick to just one topic or one theme. You know, sometimes I may write things that are very political, you know, sometimes I may write things that are very cultural or speaking to the African diaspora. And then sometimes I'm speaking about my morals or my spirituality. But yeah, I don't really like to just pin it to one thing. So some, it really just depends on what it is I feel like writing about and what it is I feel like I need to speak about or use my voice, you know, to highlight or enlighten. 
Yeah, Tanisha, I really was blown away by you. I had never met anyone like you before. You know, a young woman, so self-assured, so talented, so led by convictions that I thought it was important. I have a daughter myself for me to talk to you and to learn about how you remain such a a strong voice and so uh, confident in your beliefs and how you're able to face, you know, the society, which is kind of closed in a way, in its own way, and not be affected by it, you know? How is it with your community right now? Are you, have you found your space? Is your space diverse or diverse faiths? Or are you mainly commune with people of your faith? My space is very diverse, you know? (laughs) I've been lucky, blessed, blessed actually, to have a lot of creatives in my space, a lot of people who are diverse thinkers, who are very open-minded, people from different genders, different cultural backgrounds, different races. And that's how I'd like to keep it, you know? I guess I could say specifically talking back to Islam. It all, I guess it all centers back to belief. But I don't think that there's one way to live your life. I think that everybody is on their own path. They have their own track record. And, you know, they have their own goals that they need to achieve within this specific lifetime. And some people may be religious, some people might be agnostic, some people might be atheists, and some people, you know, it really just depends. And I guess because I realized that, you know what, there are multiple truths, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of people try to focus on one. There are multiple truths in this lifetime. And, you know, the world just keeps going on and on. Mm -hmm. And that made me realize that, you know, the best thing is to just be very accepting and just be very loving and Mm -hmm. learn how to love and accept and live with one another and to be cohesive, to be inclusive and not divisive. I've been through a lot of things outside of religion. I've, I've gone through so many experiences within relationships, within understanding beliefs, within understanding philosophies. Some of it was just by reading a book. A lot of it I had to go through to know it. So I think that when you look at the specific work that I do in my art, it reflects that. Because my art, I guess my art isn't pinned down because I try to be able to express all of these things that I learned and what I feel like in my heart, you know, is right. And it shows through, you know, and to me, it's almost like spiritual work to be able to create art and to be able to write and to be able to speak. It's a spiritual thing for me to go and sit down and say, you know, what, what is it that I feel like that needs to be said today? I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with us about you and, and your journey and your life. Is there anything you want to leave us with? You left us with a lot, so. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess I would say to don't be afraid to stand out, to be an individual. Don't be afraid. Focus on you. Don't be afraid to serve yourself and to just dream and be and do wild things in life whatever it is out there that you want to do or you feel in your heart that you need to achieve don't feel like it's too far away because it's really not Mm. and you can do it
Yeah. Well, thank you, Tanisha. I really appreciate you and appreciate talking to you. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. And I hope you have a good day, too. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Looking Deep. For more resources, please check out our website for our show notes for this episode. Coming up, our after show, Looking Deeper, will begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Looking Deeper with Kareem Watermore and my fabulous co-host, Julia Woolley-Chatlin. Hello. Hey, Julia. How's How are you doing today? I'm all right, thanks. Good, good. So we just listened to an episode with Tanisia Pratt. Tanisia was a young lady I met maybe four or five years ago. I think we did meet her together once. You don't remember, but I remember bringing you to a meeting with her. I thought of Tanisia because I met her and she was an incredible writer, an incredible poet that speaks with such power. And she is a forward-thinking Muslim woman in a majority Christian male-oriented yeah. society and such strength. So I thought it would be a really, really interesting conversation to have with her. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree completely. I find that it's very difficult, not depending if you have the right friends, obviously things aren't too difficult, but it is kind of difficult to be a different religion here in the Bahamas. I remember at one point, you know, I was like, I don't understand why everybody just makes the assumption that everybody else is Christian. What if you're not? And then people that were just, it's, you know, it brings a whole other perspective to the table. And I think a lot of people here aren't used to that. Yeah. You know, I have to admit, I grew up, my parents were not religious growing up. My stepdad mm -hmm. has since become religious since I, when I became like 17 or 18, but I didn't grow up going to church, but I right. did go to religious school, and right. which was a great school. It was a private school, but we talk mm -hmm. about the role that religion plays in the society from very young. So for example, we learned our ABCs with a Bible verse <laughs> at four years old, three, wow. four years old. So A, right. all have sin and come short of the glory of God. B, I don't remember what B is. See children obey your parents for this is right, I think. And, right. and uh, I don't remember the rest. I remember <laughs> A and C. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, well, we could tell the indoctrination worked then. Yeah. And so when you talk about growing up in a society, not that I'm espousing an opinion on Christianity or my, mm -hmm. I don't seek to do that, but when you talk about how a society functions and you are sort of indoctrinated at that level at so young yeah. to kind of find your own path if, it does, if, that, if the religion of your culture didn't work for you. It's quite yeah. brave, I find. And I think there are certain things that like either help or hinder that path to self-discovery. I think, for example, in Tanisia's case, the fact that she said that in her family there were people of multiple different Fit, well, at least branches of faith, right? So because a Jehovah's Witness and a Catholic and an Anglican and a Baptist, they're all Christian, but 
they're all vastly different types of Christians. So that already helps open up your eyes, right? Like in the way I grew up, I grew up until I was about 15. I went to a Catholic private school, but my parents are very irreligious. My dad actually, he enjoyed other philosophies like Hare Krishna and, you know, kind of Hindu philosophies. And he's like, you know, Julia, the Hindus, they say that the world exists, the universe exists on the back of a turtle. And like, you know, he he would tell me about these things. And I got baptized in the Anglican church, not that we ever went to church unless it was a funeral or a wedding. But, you know, having multiple perspectives helped me find what seemed correct to me without feeling like I was being bogged down. But I think that for some people, you know, when their whole family goes to one church, and all of their friends go to one church and their school is that same church. It makes it a lot harder. So I think in a way it was really like a blessing to be able to see multiple perspectives and then find her own path in that. I think another important thing about her interview is that it was able, you know, for us to show the diversity of a people that exists in a faith. You know, I think most people in most Western societies have a one dimensional view of what it is to be Muslim, uh, what it is to be a Muslim woman. Uh, yes. You know, what the faith is exactly. Ultimately, like, yeah, people find it very easy to forget that there's a whole human under that faith, under that religion, under all that you see in, on the surface, right? But I mean, we look at Christians. We have super, super liberal Christians who believe in the love of Christ and in salvation and all that, but don't really believe in you know, these like pseudo moralistic things like, oh, you know, like how you dress and what you do. And uh, do you talk to the opposite sex or not? Do you talk to the same sex or not? You know, you have some Christians who don't bother with that. And then on the other end, you have Orthodox Christians who are extremely like Orthodox Catholics, for example, or Greek Orthodox or whatever, who are extremely dogmatic. Like they are very strict in their beliefs, right? And it's the same for Jews. You get like, what is it? reform and liberal Jews, and then you have Orthodox Jews, and then you have the ultra-Orthodox Jews, you know, but they're not all the same. It comes from the same root, I suppose, Mm -hmm. but it branches out into a million different, like, well, maybe not a million, but multiple different groups, right? And it's the same thing with Muslims. There are Muslims who are extremely dogmatic. There are some who believe in covering everything up. There are some who are like, hey, man, like, I'm living in the modern world, man. Yeah. Like, you know, it's about my faith. It's about how I act. It's not about how I dress. I agree. And I think it's very easy for us to see the other Mm -hmm. and just paint them with broad strokes, you know, and then see ourselves and see all the intricate little details of each part of the painting. You know, it's very, it's very easy for us to go like, well, I mean, we're multifaceted, but they are. And it's like, well, if you are, they are. Like, everybody is. Everybody has multiple sides. Everybody has a whole personality, you know? And that personality may be influenced by things like culture and religion, but people are unique. And one of the last things I want to focus on in Tunisia's interview is just her ability to of strength, you know? Mm-hmm. And I talk about strength, I talk about the need for self-reflection. And growth. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really stuck out to me and inspired me. And that's probably my takeaway from her is to always be someone that's growing and expanding. I think she says the story of Tunisia is ever unfolding. 
you know? Right. And I think that that was, that really touched me. Yeah. I thought it was cool when you asked her, like, so who are you? And she's like, I don't know. I ask myself that every day, but I suppose for now I could say, and then she explained, right? But um, I thought that's, that's true. I think everybody's like that. If you look at yourself last year and the year before that, you know, maybe the differences are slight from year to year, but then you look at like the difference between you now and a decade ago, the differences are quite large in certain aspects, right? Oh, so I think that we've done 25 minutes. <laughs> so we're going to put a pin in it. Is there anything else that stood out for you that you wanted to express in this interview? Um, yeah. So one thing that she mentioned that I felt a little bit bad is how when she came out as Muslim, people were a little bit negative towards mm. her. And I found that, you know, interesting because um, a lot of Christians, they have this belief that they are being persecuted that comes from back in the early days of the church, let's say in the fifth century, where the Romans in a large way, it's not that they persecuted Christians for being Christians, but they persecuted Christians for not engaging in Roman religious activities. They were like, you can be Christian on the side. But if you don't do what we do, then we're going to go after you, right? And Christians are like, no, because we only have one God, and we are not going to do that. And so Romans did, to an extent, persecute them a lot. And that kind of rhetoric does still exist in a lot of Christian communities and a lot of Christian denominations. Mm -hmm. And it is a little bit disheartening to see people who have grown up with that rhetoric do that to somebody else. These shows tend to go faster and faster every time we do this. It was so lovely to speak with you and to see you on this wrap-up yeah, show. Same here. Yeah. yeah. And I want to thank you guys that are listening. We really appreciate it. Please, mm-hmm. I think what our contact info will be on our homepage. So please feel free to give us any uh, questions or concerns that you may have. So thank you once again yeah. for listening. And you guys have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.